You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. All right, but thank you so much for coming to church this Sunday morning. I'm very excited uh, because I want to have like lots of things to share. I think it's good stuff. Um, um, where do I start? Yes, please come to church on Wednesday. Next week, this Wednesday. So last Wednesday, I started teaching about grace. It is fundamental to our walk with God, all right? And this, uh, this Wednesday, I will continue that discussion. Uh, one thing that's very big for uh, this Wednesday is us talking about how God's grace then finds expression. So when you read Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, For by grace you are saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is the work of God. If you do not understand how you have become saved, it is hard for you to explain to other people how you've become saved. Right? And it says not of works. All right? It says it is a gift of God. And we talked about receiving the gift of righteousness and how we build upon that. Okay? Uh, one of the things we will talk about on Wednesday is the relationship between grace and truth. So when you read John chapter 1, and, and this is me trying not to preach the message, but you read John chapter 1 and 17, John chapter 1, 14, the Bible speaks about Jesus being full of grace and truth. And we'll talk about, there's a small matrix, and how that when you receive the grace of God, you also have to receive the truth of God. All right? Because some people receive grace and, and do not receive truth. So they receive grace as a transformation in their spirit, man. But you cannot see the things that you expect to see. Okay, now that's for Wednesday. All right. Ephesians chapter 3 and 20 for someone as an encouragement this morning says now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. I don't know what it is that you set out to do this year. I don't know where you are in life or some of you I know some of you I don't know. I just wanted to encourage you that God is actually faithful. He is able to do more than what you have planned. He is able to do more than what you have dreamt of. Uh, <clears throat> he is able to do things you do not even know about. But what tends to happen sometimes is like the people of Israel on the path to the promised land is that sometimes we, we lose focus of who God is. We lose sight of God. We say... The giants are too much, right? And I know that living in our world today can be, can be exciting, to, to say the least, all right? And if you don't have trouble, sometimes it means you're not alive, right? Some people have trouble, different shades of trouble, all right? But God is still in the business of doing exceedingly abundantly above all, all. That we can ask or think. And it says it's according to the powers that work in us. Okay? Alright, that was for someone. Okay, fantastic. I will teach now. So, I want to have a discussion this morning. I've titled The Path of the Pilgrim. Um, navigating Life Through the Mind of Christ. Last week, I think we had this discussion about man being spirit, soul, and body. Okay? Hey, help me ask the person next to you, are you growing? Are you growing? Are you growing? Follow me, ask the person next to you. Why are you now writing Revelation? Ask them, are you growing? 
and tell them I'm, I don't mean physically. I don't mean physically. I mean spiritually. Are you growing spiritually? Sweetheart, ask her now. You're so close. You can't be disobedient at such a close range. <laughs> Encourage me. <laughs> You're my wife. <laughs> All right. But are you growing spiritually? Because if you go to a church for, you know, one year, two years, and you have not grown spiritually, it's either you need to find a new church, the church needs a new pastor, or you have to deal with yourself, right? Because the whole aim of this thing, Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, is that you are supposed to grow spiritually, right? So if you're new to life, this is how we, we talk. So if you don't really like the person next to you, pretend you're going to the bathroom, then when you come back, find another seat. Yeah, we, we do it. <laughs> All right. But if you have to go to the restroom, don't say because for what I say, you will not stay there. That's just between you and God. Okay? But the whole aim is that you're meant to grow spiritually. You, and, and that is why I'm so excited about this. I'm like, yes, this is the, you know, I'm meant to grow spiritually. I'm growing spiritually right um so today i want to talk a bit more about that you know this whole walking with god crossing lines all right so first things first in first peter chapter 2 verses 9 to 11 scripture begins to suggest to us that christians are pilgrims in this world Pilgrims are those who, you know when they say we're going on pilgrimage, right? Every year, I think the government still does it. Uh, they send people on pilgrimages. Muslims, we, the Muslims go to uh, Mecca. The Christians go to Jerusalem. We should not use people's taxes to do that. But that's a personal opinion. Okay? Um... Yeah, let me read this. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, but are now the people of God, who had not obtained mercy, but, have, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshy lust which war against the soul. And that's interesting, okay? That, that's interesting. In, in John chapter 17, Jesus is having a discussion. And when you read from verses 14 down to 17, I think he says kind of the same thing. He says, I have given them your word. And the world has hated them because they are not of the world just as I am not of the world. He says, but I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. So we have visitors here. And it's interesting how different generations of Christian, as they come, would flip certain parts of the truth. So there was 
you know, the, there was a generation of Christians who have been very conscious about the fact that we are citizenship. Paul says in Colossians, it's, it's of heaven. All right? So you have dual citizenship. All right? But we, we then started hearing things like you cannot be so heavenly conscious that you are um, utterly useless. So, ah, what's, you have to find use. And that is true because God gives us assignments in time. But it has then gotten to the place where too many of us have then forgotten what Jesus says here. That we are not of this world. In fact, next week, um, we will talk about heaven and hell. This, you know, and, and talk about judgment and talk about because it is a it is part of this whole discussion about being pilgrims but as you become mature as a Christian there are certain things which must be on your mind right so we have visitors here they, they used to sing that song this world is not my own you know, you know the song Josh oh, no, oh, sorry hi okay <laughs> you, you don't know that song you, you don't know it. You have to know it to remember it. But uh, who would know it? <laughs> this world is not my own. Chine, you don't know that song. Ah, ah, Chine, you were in church. <laughs> but seriously, do you know the song, band? Sing, sing, let me hear. This world is... You guys don't know the song. It... <laughs> hey, okay. Anyway, but the song just to say, this world is not my own. I'm just passing through. So it's like going, so sometimes I travel to, um, like I travel to the UK. I have a visa. But the visa is not my passport. The fact that I am in the UK, I don't now think, oh, I'm a British citizen. Maybe one day. But I am not. It's temporary permission to live somewhere. To experience somewhere now why is this important <laughs> because you as someone who has then become a child of God the world that you live in has what we'll call its mind has a way of thinking has a way of making decisions has a way of processing things has a way of behavior so I was having a meeting during the week and this friend of mine says oh Pierre I remember going on a road trip with this people it was in between two cities in northern Africa and he says there was this gentleman that was in front of Sunday morning and he was praising God. We're doing praise and worship. He was just praising God, praising God. In fact, he said he would praise God. He would pray. We're doing fellowship. This is the point. I almost got tired. And I was going to tell him, ah, let us rest. He says, but he was so spiritual. He says, she said to me, but a number of months afterwards, she said, I think her words were, Pia, if you see the fraud that he committed in this Lagos, and I can't remember, I can't, I can't, I can't continue to come, I can't remember, at the point she said, ah, P.I., 
He's not born again, no. And she asked me, can he, was he, he cannot be born again. <laughs> he is born again, I think. He has received grace. But he is still operating as if he's of this world. Different, even different cities have their minds. They used to say that when Lagosians went to other cities in Nigeria, in fact, when I was, you know, where I came from, upstate Benin. And sometimes when we are driving in, in Benin, when people drive past us, drive, after a while you look at, oh, now Lagos driver. <laughs> you know, people, people, I mean, the guys who are from Ibadan will tell you, right, that when they go home, Right, you can feel it in the air. People are greeting people, you know, stopping. Ah, Papa Kapiru, how are you? Well, they stop in the middle of the road, say hi to each other, and your know, people just wait. They're nice. Lagos, you are the traffic light. You are waiting patiently, obeying laws. Light turns yellow <laughs> from the back. Pam, pam, you are color blind. Move, move. <laughs> Our mind here is different. The world has its mind, has its way of processing information and making decisions. But Jesus says in that prayer, they are not of this world. When we have the mind of the world, and we all have the mind of the world. In fact, when you read Ephesians chapter, and Ephesians is a great book to read as you talk about spiritual growth. When you read Ephesians chapter 2, from verse 2 to 3, he says, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now walks in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. For someone, when you leave today, you're going to understand why you would find people who, you, you see them in church on Sunday, Singing and worship. In fact, when you see them sometimes, their hands are raised in the service. But you know them in town. And so you can't reconcile. And when they're in town, they really look like they're in town. So you're like, I don't understand, you know. And maybe it's not even in town, you know. Maybe you know them in the office. And they're a terror. Or you all know even better still. Maybe they live next door to you. In Colossians 1 verse 21, Paul says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled. So a Christian can be saved but have what we call an unrenewed mind. Still have the way 
or the mind of this world. And a renewed mind is filled, is guided, ruled by the wisdom of this world. Because a lot of times when, and I'm going to talk about the mind of Christ very soon, okay? But when we talk about the mind of Christ, I used to, for some, for the longest time, I would think it talked about just information. So I would think, well, that means I know the things that Christ knows. But then I stepped back and I've just realized it is more than just information. It is actually a way of processing things. It's a way of analyzing information. It's a way of deciding what kind of actions you will take. It's a way of deciding your reactions. So the, the, will, the, the mind of this world, which is what a Christian has that we say has an unrenewed mind, is filled and ruled by the wisdom of this world. Um, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul speaks about this. He says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. He says, but we speak the wisdom of God in the mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages of, before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. In fact, when you go to chapter 3, he talks about the wisdom of this world again. The mind of this world. He says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. What is the wisdom of this world? What is the mind of this world? Because as pilgrims, one thing you must, you, you must recognize is that it is very easy for you to be influenced by the environment that you're in. You travel to um, a country where they have a very different way of speaking. After they spend the first one week telling you they don't understand the English you are speaking, you then adapt, you know? And then when you call home, they're like, ah, what is Tulu speaking on the phone now? Just one week. So we are pilgrims. We have been saved, transformed in our spirits. And then with a decision to make about what mind resides in us. In fact, when it talks about this wisdom or the mind of this world, I really like uh, James chapter 3. When you read verse 14 to 18, it says, But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, is sensual, is demonic. It says, for where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. And I was puzzled when I read this some time back. I said, if you're talking about wisdom, why are you talking about envy and strife? And until it became clear to me, that that is a way of thinking 
It's a way of behaving. One that prioritizes self. One that sees people according to divisions. It sees people, in 2 Corinthians 5 would say, according to the flesh. One that thrives on strife, on scheming. That is the mind of this world. But Jesus presents mankind with a new way of thinking. So he would say at certain parts of the pleasant scripture, he says, you've heard it said, A, B, C. He says, but I now tell you something different. He presents mankind with a different way of thinking. And so this is what my discussion for today is about, is as a pilgrim, what mind have I retained? Do I understand the tension between the mind of this world and the mind of Christ? How, is, how am I making my decisions? How am I processing information? What has changed? What is different? Because Christians are... <laughs> Required, I think, and must be prepared to be countercultural. We must get to the place where we we don't do things just because everyone is doing it. We do things because we understand that that's how God wants us to do it. In fact, I think Paul puts it better in Romans twelve and verse two, when he says, "Do not chaps, be." conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good acceptable and perfect will of God help me ask the person next to you what mind is in you what mind what mind is in you what mind is in you what mind is in you I, I know I know you've become a Christian, I know you're born again, but is my mind renewed yet? So it's like when you have, um, with a lot of smartphones, we have, we have um, this app. So we have maps in our phones. Some of us, most of us do, right? And um, sometimes when you're driving, especially when you're going to. Um, a place you've never been to before you you would say this is where I am, this is where I want to go to can you please show me directions, right and you know very quickly he says you're going to XYZ place these are the, these are the steps in fact he would say these are the routes you should take this one is slower than the other in fact if you in, in potentially in your phone at the moment exists the knowledge of all geography in Lagos, right? Not only that, it tells you how to get there. I, I, so there are places I don't know how to drive to, but it's all there. But for me to come into a working knowledge of it, I must access it. I must interrogate it. And then I must believe it. Because sometimes Google Maps tells you this route, this route, this route. I go, ah, <laughs> it's not this place I go to normally. And it happens to me once in a while. I believe no, Alamo is faster. 
In fact, that when you start driving, after the first two minutes, you're like, I said it, this map doesn't know what it's saying. Then gangster traffic. <laughs> Just waiting for you. Do I have the mind of Christ? And for someone, this still sounds a bit religious. I'm going to explain what it means. When you read Ephesians chapter 4, and like I said, Ephesians 2, 3, 4, the whole of Ephesians is fantastic read when you consider growing up spiritually. When you read Ephesians chapter 4, 17 to 24, it says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of of their mind. I like verse 18. It says, having their understanding darkened, being alienated. So he's saying, they are separated from the life of God. Why? He says, because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the blindness of their heart, who have been past feeling, have given themselves over to lewdness, to walk all on cleanliness with greediness, it says, but you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus Christ. So when you read verse 22, it says that you put off according to your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful laws, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because, chap, there is a tension, church, that a Christian will have to deal with. Where you, you read scripture, but you cannot see it in your life. Where you would hear about things that God is asking you to do, but you cannot reconcile your behavior to those things. Where they say to you, if any man is in Christ, he's a new creature, all things are passed away. But you can't, you, you, there's such, you, you're like, but this is not who the Bible says that I am. This is not, they say, oh, you're supposed to be, and the, the whole aim of this thing is that you're supposed to be becoming more like Jesus. But with every passing year, you're like, no, I'm actually becoming more like my earthly father or my mother. I am not, this is not Jesus here. tell the person next to you, tell them you're going to grow you're going to grow, you are going to grow you're going to grow, in fact look at them again, tell them as long as you're sitting beside me you're going to grow, you're going to grow you're going to grow yeah, you're going to grow and, and so that is you know, that is our, our charge this morning one place, I think it's in Philippians 2 Paul says, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus, ah so I like what we pray. I have the mind of Christ. I have the mind of Christ. And you know, I love, I love us Pentecostals because there's, there's no, if you give us a phrase, we can make it spiritual. I have the mind of Christ. The mind, the mind, the mind, the mind. I have it, I have it, I have it. Of Christ. But I realize that the mind of Christ is not something in the sky. The mind of an engineer is, is not, you don't, the guy doesn't say, I want to be an engineer. He says, receive the mind of an engineer. I want to be a pilot. Receive the mind of a pilot. You enter the plane and the pilot says, guys, 
taking you to London. Don't worry. I've always wanted to be a pilot. Last week, my pastor laid hands on me. I received the mind of a pilot. Buckle your seatbelts. <laughs> it's on the back, you'll be shouting. I'm not going again. I'm not. So the mind of Christ is not abstract. There is interaction with the truth, with the word of God that begins to dislodge certain ways of thinking and install certain ways of thinking in our mind. And sometimes it's not hard to know whether you have the mind of Christ or not. If you read scripture long enough, by the help of the Holy Spirit, ever so often you would see, the Bible says the word of God is, you would see where you are, not exactly there. Paul says, I do not count myself as having achieved or arrived yet. And, and so I said to us, church, look, if Paul, who has written a huge part of the New Testament, can say, look, oh, wow, I am still work in progress. May I suggest that there is still work in progress in your life. There's still room for growth. So this one that because you finished five, uh, five plans on you version, you've listened to two podcasts, maybe you've even preached somewhere before, you now think you are mature. Relax. Relax. Because the rest of us sometimes can see but you know the truth is that even it's easier to see the lack of growth in other people because sometimes you're listening to a message like this and saying ah i wish Allah was in church no no i wish i wish this thing pia is saying is for him that you now even bring out your phone under you now text him shola where are you <laughs> at that time i wish you could hear the holy spirit saying to you so yeah this is for you first. What is the mind of Christ? What is the mind of Christ? Where, where is this mind of Christ? Help me ask the person, where is the mind of Christ? Where, where is the mind of Christ? Where, where is the mind of Christ? Okay, so, I, so today I want to talk about one thing that I think is, is a big part of the mind of Christ, okay? Uh, and as, you, as we mature in Christ, as we grow in our faith... We will take little things, big things, and make adjustments in the way that we think by the help of the Holy Spirit. Today, I want to talk, I mean, this is what I say, oh, sorry, just not so I don't scare you, because so you don't think the rest of the message was this introduction. Don't worry, this is like halfway. Don't worry, relax, relax. Obedience and sacrifice are an integral pillar of the mind of Christ. I'll explain what I mean by that. If we are installing the mind of Christ in a Christian, one of the most important things that needs to be settled in the heart of a Christian is this discussion about obedience and sacrifice. When you look at Jesus' life, Jesus' life is essentially a life of sacrifice. You know, Paul says it in Philippians 2. If you read verse 5, uh, I think all the way to 8. He says, let this mind 
be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death even the death of the cross maturity in Jesus Christ as a Christian will require that you are alive to God and dead to self in fact, when you read further down in Philippians, where we just talked about here, when Paul is saying, look, guys, let the mind of Christ be in you. Let a, he gets to a place, he says, even I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice and service of your faith. He says, I am glad and I rejoice with you. That's verse 17. So, Pilgrims who are in that place where they used to have the mind of this world, but something has changed, they're required to interact with the truth, are now seeking to say, look, how did Jesus think? How does Jesus process information? How does Jesus, what is the basis for his actions? As we turn to the truth, one of the first things we would have to deal with and settle is this whole concept of obedience and sacrifice. Obedience to God is priceless. Because sometimes when we have taught about grace, we have made it seem like grace does not require you to be obedient to anything. But that's not true. If anything, grace gives you the ability to be obedient to God. To be obedient to scripture. And scripture is full of a lot of clear prescriptions for action. And this is not action as people who are being judged by the things they are required to do. It is simply God saying, look, this is the way to live. This is how you've been created. This is what the power that is at work in you is able to do. Obedience to love. Love is not an option for a Christian. It is the way of our life. When you read First John, he makes it clear that this is our lifestyle. This is our lifestyle. Obedience and sacrifice. I was saying to the leaders the other day, not the workers the other day. But when I read Acts chapter 4, well, Acts chapter 4 is where the early church, talking about the early church, that one of the things that shocks me about Acts chapter 4, you know, because at that point it says, these guys all had, they had all things in common. Right? It says that no man counted the things that they had as their own. It says, and at a point, the guys just, you know, people will come to church and say, Oh, P.I., I used to have a house in Ikoyi. I sold it. Here's the money. They brought it to the apostles' feet. 
car. It wasn't just that you were moved to sell your nice car. No. Because you could sell the car, bring it to church and say, China, yeah, I've heard her pray. I've seen the way she takes so, uh, you know, care of people. I'm going to give her half of that money. And then the other half I'm going to give to Falabi because he always leads me into the presence of God to worship. No, they gave it to the apostles. How? And, and I said, that church where, you know, everyone was bringing their stuff. They talked about a guy called Barnabas, the son of encouragement, that he sold his land, brought it to church. And then, you know, of course, this Ananias and Sapphira who then tried to sell their land but keep part. And, you know, that's a discussion for another day. But that story didn't end well. But I said, Acts chapter 4, that whole scene, because we love it. We're like, that's the Acts 4 church, guys. Miracles everywhere. The church. But that church, I said to the workers, was a church full of mature Christians. Was a church filled with people who had sacrificed their life. Because I guess imagine, just, just think about I said, because it meant that they had gone into a place where they had actually put their own lives down for God. Paul says in Philippians, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. These guys had lost sight of their individuality. And so I remember saying to them, I think, for me, that's one of the big descriptions of what it means to be baptized into the body. But when you think of your identity, you as a person, that you have laid it down for God first. And so, chat, this is, this is what begins to separate us as baby Christians, carnal Christians, and growing Christians. This is where, this is the mind of Christ. That you get to a place where you say, look, this life really has been given to God. Has my life, have I given my life to God? One of my friends, I saw her this morning, she writes a lot of nice stuff. Said, if we want to be honest with ourselves, and I paraphrase you, for me, if you want to be honest with yourselves that the whole idea of giving your life to Christ, your whole life to Christ, is a gradual process. <laughs> because yes, we get saved, but when. It comes to the life. Jesus, because Jesus could have had anything he wanted on the earth. All that power. <laughs> I mean, just, just think about it. Age 30. So you know, he would have made the list. You know, Forbes 30 under 30. Jesus of Nazareth. Really deep guy. Huge following on Twitter. Wise. Countercultural. I just imagine Jesus producing food for people on a daily basis. When they want to vote, they come to Jesus, who should we vote for? 
political power. At the time, they wanted to make him king. He could have been king of Israel. He could have been the biggest king because he had angels. Jesus was a, was a big boy. He didn't have, was it what any horse he needed? Just tell them. They were like, go and tell them the master has need for it. And this was on the earth though. But because the Bible says here that he was equal to God. So he was in heaven. So he didn't even need to come here. With all our traffic and heat, he didn't need to come. No. But there was a pattern that he sacrifices himself. He humbles himself before God. And before the plan and the purpose of God for his life. Because, so, so, this is the mind of Christ. And so, as we move into maturity, as we grow, we must daily ask ourselves, this life I am living today, who am I living it for? Luke chapter 9, 23 to 25, it says, And he said to them, If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me for whoever shall save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake will save it and you know what you do with a cross second corinthians chapter 5 verse 14 to 15 the bible says for the love of christ compels us because we judge thus that if one died for all, then all died. That's fine. He says, and he died for all that those who live should live no longer for themselves. That those who live should live no longer for themselves. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. And that is my question. That is, that is it this morning. When I plan, who am I planning for? When I spend my money, who am I spending it for? When I spend my time, when I think of tomorrow, when I think of my life, who am I living for? Those who grow in Christ, who become more like Christ, must come to the place where they stand before God and say, God, you know that I am still knowing you, but I will trust you with my life. I will trust you with my life. I would live for something that is bigger than me. Our country and our generation is looking for solutions left, right, and center. And one of the things we keep telling ourselves, you know, people, people are selfish in this country. No, people, it's true, they're selfish. And as we say that, we're... <laughs> We are selfish. And then when someone tries to come out and 
you know, and I speak on behalf of people. So, so you just want to go and steal money, have you? No, that's what you want to do. You want to steal. The guy says, no, I want to save them. He says, keep quiet. But when you think of the best use of your life, how are you defining it? Who are you living for? Who will be different because Demilade lived? Who will be better because of Philip's life? Who, what will change because of you? So whole year, 2019, what has of what impact has how has God been able to help someone else because of me and this has nothing to do with public things it's not about whether you preach it's that with the expressions of the grace of God that in little ways in private ways in big ways for some people it's even in an ability to spend time and pray for people he says but that those who live will not live for themselves alone if we looked at your bank account we can tell who you are living for bring the bank account out 20k at shiro huh? 15k nails mm-hmm. 3k avengers <laughs> 65k a week 11k what is loom i don't know what that is <laughs> but god is coming judgment is coming soon but let's just we'll come there no let's relax, relax. loom okay uh, somebody want a sports betting <laughs> help me ask the person next to you who are you living for <laughs> The money you spend on your girlfriend, you spend it on yourself. Don't deny it. That's, you're not, that's not, that is true. But oh, sweetheart, the money you spend on your husband is well spent. Don't, <laughs> don't judge me with this message. Okay. I don't know what God has been inspiring. But let, let's focus. But I'm serious. The guy says, oh no, but you know, P.I., it's because I only earn 70K. When I'm a millionaire like Dangote, <laughs> I will send people to school. It's a lie. It's a lie. I'm a student too. Oh, no, I'm a student. Students do not interface with human beings. Who are you living for? It is not in the size of your Bible. It is not in the complexity of the tongues you speak. It is not whether you can prophesy or not. Obedience and sacrifice. Who are you living for? So Paul says in Galatians chapter 2 and 20, he says, I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. He says, yet not I, but Christ who lives in me. He says, and the life that I live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That I do not set aside the grace of God. Am I living my best life? Or am I living his best life? Have I gotten to the place where Jesus has become 
the biggest source of my identity. And you know where this is, how you know that you're growing as a Christian is that when you see other people, especially people of the household of faith, you see more of what binds you to them than of the differences of, of, of the things that differentiate you from them. So when I see Rona, I see someone who is sharing my faith. So you don't see gender anymore. So you don't see social class. So you don't see, I live in Ikoyi, he lives in, I don't know, where else. You don't see politics. That's how you know you are growing. In fact, I say to myself as I prepared this, that if when you see other Christians, there's no joy in your heart, because just seeing other Christians, there should be joy. You should just be happy at the work of God in the life of another person. This is one of the bedrocks of the mind of Christ. That I'm able to let God interrupt my plans. That I'm able to say, God, guys, if the way we are going, who is God going to send? Where are the missionaries? If God calls you now, say, Shalalawa, I'm sending you to Joss. But just is even funky. They make music there. I'm sending you to my degree. You know, even the rest of us will say, ah! Inshallah. <laughs> but I've shown him. To be fair, even the rest of us probably tell you, don't go. You're not hearing God well. But my point is, how did the gospel come to our country? People left the comfort of, of cities got on boats they didn't where they went they went to places where there were no there was no email it's not like they were doing video call with their family every night oh here I am I'm in Lagos no there's no light here Lagos but I'm preaching the God no 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 when they got on that boat for months they would not see family who are we living for I want to hammer. I want to hammer. I want to hammer. Who are we living for? So when Jesus says in Matthew 25, when he's doing that appraisal and he's saying, guys, I don't know you. I sent you as a pilgrim, but somewhere there was something wrong with the mind. With Guys, I said, but we prophesied in your name. Didn't you go to ah, Jesus? Come on now. Let them bring her the file. Life went fire. Bring it out. You see, attendance were there. It says, ah, but I was sick, I was tired, I was hungry. It says, but you were living your life. This is the best country to be a Christian in tell you because there is so much pain there is so much poverty this is the best country you should get up take your salary send somebody to school 
pay, when you go through the toll, pay for the guy behind you. When you see people in traffic, smile. Share your popcorn. <laughs> but let the life of Christ find expression. You go to the salon, pay for the guy next door. Yes! What's that, man? How, how much is your haircut? 1K. Pay for the other guy. The guy says, why? Do I know you? Jesus loves you. Walk away. Dramatically. But I'm serious. There's... Help someone. Preach the gospel. I wish I could make it more complex. I, I honestly wish I could. When Jesus goes to the cross, <laughs> at one point they say he could have called all sorts of angels. So the challenge is that we are learning in this generation to insulate ourselves. And I know how tough it is because sometimes I'm driving home and then the guys are knocking on my door. Daddy, daddy. I'm looking at them, not your daddy. <laughs> one has to be careful and I'm like God all these people are being used by bad people I can't give him money so like I, you, you put fences around your heart so you cannot hear the voice of pain anymore but there are people who are sitting beside you in church and as we worship sometimes the guy is crying but you are like, ah, I'm too cool. I'm too cool. How can I be asking him? Can I pray with you? Or oh, there's a security man. The list is endless, sir. This is the best country to be a Christian. Because the life and the power of God that we carry has such broad, huge implications and application here. You go to countries where they have light already. What do they need already? They have light, internet, social security. Because they need to save their souls. You can see theological tone looking at me like, oh, P.I., those are things of the flesh, but of the spirit. I know. But I'm saying here, just even a hug. Sometimes we say, tell somebody I love you in church. Just look forward. God forbid. Even if you come and move my mouth, I'm not telling them I love you. Sometimes you, I love you, is what decides whether some guy continues to think about committing suicide. So maybe the whole week, all he's thinking of is that Damilari told me I love you. I sound very cheesy, but the truth is that sometimes that sustains the soul. So t today, that's, that's it. That there is a continuous interaction with the truth. You would cross the line where you refuse to continue to live for yourself. Help me tell the person next to you. Tell them you have to get the mind of Christ in you. You have to get the mind of Christ in you. you have to get the mind of Christ in you. you get the mind of Christ in you. In fact, maybe just tell them, please stop living for yourself. Please stop living for Please, I beg you in the name of God. Please stop living for yourself. Please. Everything. I finished my message. Finish. I finished the message. 
So you give it all friend and you can go, but they'll come and sing now. I'm just waiting for them to sing. But everything great must be built on sacrifice. Everything. A good marriage, don't let them deceive you on Instagram. A good marriage does not respond to how you dance on the wedding day. Nothing like that. It doesn't even respond. So if like it doesn't, it doesn't even talk, it doesn't even respond to how fine your wedding pictures are. Because from day one, if you know the sacrifices my wife has had to make for me, it's true. Uh, <laughs> to be my to be my wife is a is a. I know. I like fresh vegetable. I'm very finicky. Don't move this thing like this. Ah. Then sometimes I make small, small sacrifices. Anybody who's who real money, not uh, not Yahoo Yahoo money or the other one where they added you to WhatsApp group, not that uh, real money. <laughs> I have to make sacrifice. And oh God, okay. So today, <laughs> today, um, I wanted to invite us to cross that line with God. And you have to say it by faith. I think for a lot of us, where we're saying, "Father, let the mind of Christ let it also be in me." And this is my life. It's my twenty-eight-year-old life. It's not very. But here, would you do with it what you want to do? Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.